A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Support other women. You know, so often we're thinking about that one project in our own mind and what we need to do. And we're looking for that one piece of advice to get there, get there faster, that we lose sight of just creating that community where if you support another woman, someone else will support you. And that is what you will need along this way. So be that first and hopefully along your journey you'll be surrounded by people who even if it's just words of encouragement or that right contact when you need it or whatever it is but you can't ask for that before you give it so be one of those women who's supporting other women I'm your host, Natalie Drenovac, and this is The Modern Women, a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight. For this week's episode, I had the privilege of sitting down with Julie Stavania, the queen of athleisure wear. For those who don't know Julie, she's the founder and CEO of Style Runner, the premier destination for activewear, and the only woman I know who can rock a suit and sneakers with such class. With the speed at which Style Runner became a phenomenon, Julie humbly shares how her road to success has shown her the importance of women helping other women, the positive learnings she's had from the stumbles and triumphs along the way, and she reminds us of the corporate responsibilities as well as our own personal ones that we all have towards ensuring we have a sustainable future. Julie, thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure to be here. Let's kick off with your rapid fires. So, if you could go back in time and be the lead in a 60s French film, which would it be? Oh, my God. I would be um, probably Anna Karina in any Jean-Luc Godard film. Like, maybe A Woman is a Woman or just anything. Anything he produced in the early early 60s, Divine. I'm going to go back and watch those. Watch them all. What do you most give a damn about? Um, I most give a damn about, you know, like making the most of this one lifetime. I think life passes us by so quickly and we get stuck doing things we're not passionate about. I feel like you've got to make the most of this life, do something you love, spend time with people that you love, um, and just like make every day count. I love that. What is a female stereotype that you cannot stand? Um, I, maybe it would be around women that don't support other women, but I don't think, I can't stand it because I hate to say that sometimes it's true. So I I can't stand it, not because it's a stereotype, but just think that more women should be supporting more women. Uh, What is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Um, Behind the scenes, a lot of people probably don't know I'm so dorky and, you know, like I'll, I'll just 
break into a crazy little dance or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that what you do in the Style Runner In my socks. Uh, probably a few of my team have seen it, but not everyone. Okay. I have a very kind of serious persona at the office. I would not imagine that. No, actually. it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What should people know about you that is often misunderstood? Um, I have, have spoken about this a couple of times, but maybe if someone hadn't heard it, I think that probably a lot of people don't know that I'm an introvert. And so if you see me, if you see me on the gram, you know, I'm probably sometimes wearing some crazy stuff. Um, and I'm not afraid of that. Maybe it compensates for the fact that I know I'm an introvert. And so if you see me at a party, I'm the quietest person. I'm not being rude. I'm not standoffish. I'm just an introvert, not knowing how to like be cool at a party. <laughs> I think that's so honest and I kind of love it. Before we dive into things, there is one extremely important question that I need to ask you. And it's something that's been circling on my mind for years. And I feel being the CEO of the biggest or if not the world's biggest online active wear retailer that you have the authority to answer this. Can you ever mix Nike and Adidas? Good question. I would say the answer is generally no. It's, it's a big it's faux a big pas. No, no. Yeah. And I, to be honest, I reckon I've done it once or twice where the logos are miniature just because, you know, they're like the perfect pieces. I'm like, no, these buck shorts need to happen with these Air Maxes. But uh, I'm, I'm like literally walking through the streets like nobody noticed because it is a general thing. You just shouldn't mix them. Isn't that funny? I always have it. I have the same thing. I have these pair of night tights and I'm sure everyone who's listening is like, what's going on? <laughs> but if I wear Adidas shoes with them, I'm like, I just don't feel like I should be doing this right now. Yeah. And look, I'm sure it definitely happens and no judgment to those that do it. <laughs> um, but there is just a school of purists who are just like, don't mix them. So I just kind of like, like to keep the purists happy and and I get it I get why that happens they're just like kind of like a Ford Holden type thing yes you have um, one it's like, or the you other know, respect you know and just give that brand that that time to shine I love that actually speaking of Holden's my father he's like I love Holden's I will never buy a Ford in my life it's a thing yeah all right so now that we've solved one of life's greatest problems yes. when I google your name most of the top searches come up with the following summary Julie Stavania, $50 million Australian activewear empire, CEO, style runner. But it made me question, how would you love to be described? Or who are you according to your own description? Um, firstly, I would totally remove from all the Google searches the $50 million tag. Um, that is something that I know how it got out there. Um, and like once one person reports on it, it gets picked up and attached to me forever. Yeah, that's um, kind of the gist I had from yeah, that. And I really, I, I try to... It's just, that's, it's so, firstly, um, it's transient. Like, you know, things move, things go up and down. It's like the stock market. It's like you're pegging someone to a point in time when, you know, that stock is not the same price it was two years ago um, or, you know, two days ago. Um, and just secondly, it's kind of irrelevant. I care and I'm passionate about um, solving a need in the market that I felt was underserved. So, I feel like if I could be known for something, it would be, you know, seeing this gap in the women where women were un unsatisfied and taking a big risk to like throw away my dream job and, you know, kind of have a go at bringing women a better solution. And I think we've got some raving fans out there who absolutely love um, how much the industry has changed since Style Run has come on board. Um, and I'd like to be known for, yeah, the change that we've made and, um, you know, elevating women's active wear and choices, um, then, you know, kind of what it may or may not be worth. Do you see yourself as someone who's defined by her career success? 
Um, I personally don't define myself by that. I feel just like an everyday person, you know, kind of turning up to a job. Um, we're all striving for something. Like, why is my story just because it gets more, I don't know, airtime? Because um, startups are a hot topic. Any more important than someone else's career that they're striving to do it, you know? So, um, no. <laughs> yeah. I kind of thought that because I imagine with a number like that looming over your head, you would run into situations where people may see you like a piggy bank. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to, yeah, you have to wonder. Certainly when those things started getting reported on, yeah, there's all sorts of people coming out of the woodworks and um, it does make you have, you know, you do have to question some things. But also like, yeah, it's it's it just changes everything. Yeah. Um, you know, any brand that you want to work with, any you know, influencer that you want to work with. It's like, no, I can't just open the, you know. Yeah, they the think you just have address. it in your cash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And as I was saying to you before, uh, having met you and having kind of, I guess, watched your career over the last few years and as Star Runner has soared, I was sharing how you were just so down to earth. And as much as that's a kind of like either a hot button phrase, you really are. You're so genuine, so humble that when you label this, oh, and then has $50 million, people are like, oh, that must be so sexy and so elusive. But it seems like every day you're still turning up and going, how much can I keep striving forward? Yeah, like I don't know who I'm supposed to become. <laughs> like let's just say even if that was true, like, should I start behaving differently because of it? Like, because of it, I certainly kind of feel some sort of pressure to, you know, like, who is this, you know, sort of CEO? But I just want to be me. I just want to, you know, turn up and um, I actually want to make sure that people know I'm, um, I don't know if approachable is the right word, but I'm not, you know, someone who's kind of like, you know, too cool to, to <laughs> approach or sit with. Um because I actually had this whole thing about that whole, you know, kind of mean girls type thing. Yeah. I really, I, I think I talked about earlier in my quick five questions, the thing that I um, dislike if it is there and, and some of it's a myth, but some of it is true, is women who don't support other women. Um, and I just want to be, I guess, a role model of, you know, kind of being able to help where I can. And we've been, we've been so lucky to be able to sort support a lot of female founded sports brands like I've loved that like I've literally sat there with designers and gone this is what you need to do incorporate prints in, you know incorporate different lengths and you know all of that sort of thing I've helped um wherever I could and I just think that's really important you go the extra mile I try to especially with I'll take it because I offer advice and a lot of them don't I'm like it's fine like, I'm not gonna <laughs> force advice down your you know uh down your throat but I've got a lot of you know insights if you'd like it so yeah, yeah, you're like, people are buying clever this. clever enough. I absolutely are. love that. They're the women that I'm just like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, they were clever enough to go, I'm turning up with my notepad. Give me it all, you know, well done. I love that. With the world of social media then, would you say that there is a benefit to remaining, I guess, all those personal aspects of yourself quite secretive? Or do you think that having a curated persona helps or there is a benefit to sharing an authentic side of yourself? Um. I think there is a benefit to sharing the more authentic side of yourself. Um, for some people, they have really curated, like, you know, kind of feeds. And there's probably room for, you know, a handful of those globally. When I say handful, you know, a percentage. So it's obviously more than a handful. But um, some people will want to follow a few beautifully curated feeds. But I think that more and more, the majority of who they'll follow, and I say that there's room for both because no nothing's ever going to be completely 100% all anyone wants is real. But certainly I think that the majority of what people want to see now is actually show me flaws, show me who you really are. Um, and 
I that's certainly what I want to do more of. The only reason I don't do more of it is because I'm an introvert and I'm like, can I share that? But <laughs> I, it's, it's more about my shyness that I need to overcome, not because I want to keep things perfect. Um, so I'm an advocate for being really real, being, um, being authentic and um, I'm practicing it. <laughs> no, I love it. I love your little videos recently. I think they've been really great. <laughs> so as Star Runner has had immense success and it really did happen quite quickly, I would say on a Richter scale of how most people's new businesses saw, um, I wanted to go on the flip side. How has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? Um, like all the time. I think there've been so many little mini fails um, that they happen all the time. But I think that, you know, what I've taken away from that, like we have got, you know, a real culture internally of I actually say to my team, we're not failing enough, you know, like you need to push things. And if we're not failing, we're not trying enough. We're not trying new things. So one of our values internally is about reinvention. Um, Cause I think you have to constantly reinvent and it's just kind of part of what I love to do. If we were doing the same thing just year in, year out, I'd get actually very bored and I'd quite poss- possibly get over it. Um, so I'm like, what's next? What's new? What could we do differently? Just for the fun of it you know um i think you've got to have fun for our sakes as our jobs but also for the consumers sakes like we're giving them a service but let's make them smile at the same time so every failure that we have i say like um what's that saying i think it's uh champs eat feedback for breakfast yeah and um, there's a couple of those sorts of things so we fail all the time i mean we've i remember once we were relaunching our website and we had to upload all these photos and the short story is basically we were offline for a week. Our oh, whole wow. website missed trade for an entire week. For enormous. an e-commerce website. That would yeah, be horrible. It was so bad. And my team, we were working around the clock. I mean, like literally, you know, no sleep. Um, and so we decided to actually, we launched a campaign in the meantime. We're like, a new site is coming. And it was like a teaser. And we just made it like we had planned this. Okay, maybe, I think it wasn't a week. Maybe it was three days, four days or whatever. Yeah. But it was days, yeah. which felt like a month. Um, and so that was a massive stuff up, stuff up for us not to have calculated how long it would take us to upload these enormous files. Um, but we just had to just try it and turn it into a positive. So those things happen all the time. I feel like there'd be a lot of sweaty moments, sleepless nights. You know what? In the beginning, so many sleepless nights. There are, it's no less pressure now. Um, and there are no less, you know, kind of responsibilities on my shoulders. Obviously, if anything, it's, it's larger, but I've just learned how to go to sleep like a baby. You just have to. So, um, I think that's a learned skill. Yeah, actually, that's really something that's interesting in regards to like, I feel like most people would at the start go, wow, I need to get there. I need to get there. Whereas I feel like a lot of people might look and say, Julie, you are there. But within yourself, you're like, no, we still have so much further to go, don't you? Totally. It's yeah, it's, it's not to do with that at all. I feel like we are not even scratching the surface of where we need to be. I feel like we're little infants compared to, you know, kind of what I want us to become. Um, so it's just about re you know, perceiving the journey and how long it's going to take and being okay with that, being able to go to sleep and go as long as I gave it all my all today, um, got to know, feel good get about back it. up and do my best tomorrow. But knowing that sleepless nights just make you more anxious the next day, um, you can't perform at your best. It's been a conscious decision to try and actually sleep better and just do that work tomorrow. Like I take little notes next to my bed if something's on my mind. So I can go to sleep better. It's cathartic, isn't it? Yeah. Just get that off your mind. Know yeah. that. I, so I sent it to myself as a to-do list. So the next morning it's there in my inbox and I won't forget it. And also I take magnesium before I go to bed, have much deeper sleeps. But all of that is a conscious decision. Yeah. 
can't just stay awake worrying. It's Definitely. futile. Worrying is futile. It's funny that you say yours is a to-do list. If I start jotting things down, mine's more like, I feel really anxious. <laughs> and I do like morning pages, Julia <laughs> Cameron stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let me gurge all this out. So a quote of yours that I came across. I agree that it would be great if we lived in a world where gender wasn't really an issue or even a topic. A CEO should be a CEO regardless of whether they are male or female. At this moment in time, however, we as women don't have the equality in the workplace we deserve. So I think it's important for me to embrace this term and to use it to encourage conversations around female leaders. True change can happen with more visibility and the more females in powerful positions, the louder our collective voices can become. So one of my core questions with this podcast is our voices are getting louder, but are they being heard? Would you say that our voices are being heard? Um, partly yes, but not completely. But I, I don't think that that is because of the, um, the gender. I think that in general, we are all being bombarded by so many messages and social media is a large component of that. Like it's marketing, it's people with their own brands. It is just so much is coming at us that I feel like we're listening to less and we're just kind of shutting things out. Um, so I think that there's been enormous progress in terms of women's voices and equality and the Me Too movement. There's been strides and strides of progress. Some things I think um, we still need to campaign harder for, um, but I think that whatever is not being really heard is partly because we are competing against other issues, all of which are just drowning each other out. Like there is so much, how do we actually get cut through on anything these days? Yeah, it's, it's like just, you have to care about eight different things all at once. Exactly. There's just so much coming at us. Um, but I think that we'll continue to make progress. Like I don't think we've hit a ceiling. I think we just have to keep on pushing. So I think we've come a long, long way um, and we just have to, you know, keep at it. And I can only imagine where we'll be in, say, three years' time. Yeah, it's kind of like if you reflect back and you think, wow, we've come so far. And then you're like, we still have so many, you know, miles to go. So the second part of the quote is, there are times the boys' club culture feels alive and kicking and you feel like an outsider, but sometimes being a minority can work to your advantage. And so I was curious to know that throughout your career, have you noticed you weren't treated the same way as your male counterparts? Um, it's kind of less relevant for me to answer that in my style run of time because, you know, oh, yeah, that's what I was boss, thinking previously. Just, yeah, but before that, definitely. So I worked at a bank um, for about five years, worked at ANZ Institutional Finance, which was completely <laughs> dominated by, yeah. Um, and the majority of that was very much a boys club, but I had like one, my boss, um, like, I guess not my direct boss, but his boss who was actually just really believe he was the person who hired me. Um, and I was actually just like a kid from the wrong side of the tracks when I first, you know, kind of applied for that job. Like I was good at, you know, kind of, um, I was a great student, had a great, you know, academic record, but I wasn't from one of those prestigious schools, which just got me the job, you know? Yeah. You didn't he, walk into it with any exactly. extra boostings. No. And he really believed in me and actually gave me some amazing opportunities. So I remember um, my direct boss was um, sick one day and we had this board meeting that we had to go to with, you know, these like 60-year-old male developers, at property developers. And so my big boss said like, hey, Julie, you go to that board meeting. And I was like, I don't know, 21 and a girl. And I was just like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do there? You know, I'd probably been in that role for, I don't know, six months or maybe nine months. And, um, but that meant a lot that my big boss allowed me to go to this, you know, kind of all male board meeting and represent, you know, ask the bank. Um, 
So just having that one person really believe in me and give me those opportunities, regardless of my gender or, you know, that sort of thing, is sometimes all it takes. Um, But yeah, overall, the culture was um, pretty hard to crack. Do you find that women, we we are getting better at challenging things or do you also find that we have a better uh, backbone now, I guess you could say, and that we just tolerate things? We're quietly tolerating. Um. Because like I often have experiences where I'll see uh, female colleagues or just, you know, friends and they'll tell me something and they'll be like, but, you know, whatever. And I find there's a lot of brushing it off, you know, water off a duck's back kind of mentality that I think women have to take under. Yeah. I think we still need to challenge way more. Yeah. So I think that it definitely does get um, brushed aside for whatever reason. I'm not sure why. Um, but I've sometimes I'm at these, um, you know, kind of speaking events and things like that and I'm just like, bring it up, like raise this as a point and that just definitely needs to happen more. Um, so, yeah, I think we're making a little bit of progress in that area. But, yeah, we need to be way more vocal. What do you encourage your uh, staff, like not, not female versus male, yeah. but what do you certainly encourage your staff at Star Runner to do? Um, when they come across being... Well, just I think in terms of like, like you've mentioned and I think that from what I've researched, you're really about making sure that you are investing in your staff and that you really want to make sure that your staff believe that you believe in them and to encourage them to be their best selves. So is that something that you learned along the way and that you wanted to instill as you became, you know, the one that they looked up to? Um, yeah, I, mean, I think I, I gave an example where that one person believed in me and it's almost kind of goes back to parenting too. You know how there are some parents who just go, you can do this if you put your mind to it. Um, I, I really believe that when someone believes someone else believes in them, that can be the difference between them having that little boost of self-confidence and actually going for something. And everyone who's on my team, I pick them for a reason. So I do believe in them. And I just don't think we remind people that enough. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really try to encourage my team, little things, even we have a couple of all in meetings and we go around and we share something and, you know, there'll be a couple of examples coming up where people are super shy and not comfortable sharing that publicly. So then I'll kind of try and give them more opportunities to, to work on that. Um, so yeah, wherever I can, I try and one, encourage people and tell them what I think their strengths are, because I think you can never, we don't do that enough. We don't share that praise enough. And then two, if there is something that I think is their weakness or something that they're not confident on, um, then I try and come up with things that they have the opportunity to practice them. So, you know, sending some of my team to go and talk at events or things instead of me um, to give them that, you know, sort of public speaking um, practice, whatever it takes. Do you still have any form of a business mentor or anything like that? Informally, I have a few people that I reach out to um, who act as business mentors, um, but I've never formally set it up. I think I'm a bit um, scared of commitment. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Do you know, tell what, that to your husband? No, he's the one person that I, you know, that I've committed to. But I just feel like I'm a really socially awkward person. You know what I mean? Honestly, I'm like, okay, if I have this mentor, and okay, we have I've built up huge amount of admiration and you know, kind of gratitude for how do I repay that person? So I keep things very informal. So I I will reach out and I'll say, look, I've got a specific thing and I'd love to, you know, run past you. Are you free for a coffee in a couple of weeks? Um, But yeah, that's just me being my awkward self. (laughs) You know what I kind of love about how you admit to the fact that you're socially awkward? You've obviously had to overcome that in your role. 
Yeah. Like you speak at so many events. Yeah. I've seen you at events and you would never have guessed it unless you admitted it. And so that within itself is a great reminder that just because you may feel you have a limitation, it doesn't mean it should ever hold you back, which I feel is kind of like your mindset and attitude to most things. Totally. I mean, I actually became aware of the fact that I just wasn't as outgoing and extroverted as like, you know, other girls when I was, I don't know, like in my early teens, like I don't know, 11 or 12 or whatever. I was just like, I don't know what to do at this. The greatest time to know? discover these things. Exactly. I was like at a party and I'm like, what do I say? What do, what do we talk about? You know? And I actually was like, okay, I have to learn how to do these things, have social skills, but it, it doesn't, um, yeah, of course you can learn these things and you just also relax at the same time. So whilst I say these things, it's because I do want people out there. I'm sure that there are some, some people out there going, that's me too. I'm the awkward person at a party. Um, and I just want them to know that there actually it's probably a lot of us. I don't know what percentage, but of course you don't go out there and really, you know, kind of, um, bumble your way through too much you you completely come across like a normal person and you you know just it's all in your head thinking about um and I don't even spend that much time thinking about it but it is something that I'm aware of um and it was aware it was definitely um a big part of me but I just want to own it that's you know kind of I'm not this super naturally confident um you know kind of wordsmith it's that's I think good for people to know it's really funny because um, there were so many instances where I would meet certain people and I would go, oh, I'm not sure. Maybe they didn't like me or, you know, maybe I said something wrong. And then Lisa always reminds me, she's like, no, they're just introverted that. Like they just, yeah. they're not there to just have that conversation immediately. And I, I will just with most people be like, hey, how are you going? And start that conversation. She's like, people are just different. So now it actually makes me realize, hold on. Maybe they're just introverted. Let's take it a bit slower this time. Totally. You know, I had one of my team, um, this is a couple of years into our business. Um, Somebody told me that one of the team thinks I don't like her. And I was horrified because I am so grateful that there are people coming on board, you know, with this mission and are helping me build this amazing business. And I couldn't believe that someone would think I wouldn't, you know, because I'm just so... Um, diplomatic and you know supportive like I just wouldn't have that sort of bone in my body and it made me actually realize that how I can come across and so I specifically went out of my way to you know kind of um, like learn how to you know kind of share more and, and give that support and I learned a whole lot about the different personalities and what different types of people need because basically I was coaching my team in a way that I like to be coached which is pretty hands off. It's like, this is what we need to do. Here's the results that we need. Okay. Let's get to it. And just no micromanaging. No. And, um, but there are some people who need a lot more feedback. And so I kind of did a whole bunch of study and actually learned these people will, you know, kind of need constant check-ins and these people are going to need a lot more nurturing. And, you know, these people who are like you will just need top line directives and off they go. Um, and so, yeah, I became aware of that. So did it actually help you in terms of in just in everyday situations? Like once you learned these attributes about how different people interact, you just got better socially also? I, I think it definitely does help um, because if anyone that wants to look it up, there's this version which is very corporate called the DISC profile, which I just can't stand because if I'm going to do anything, it needs to be kind of fun for me to want to remember it. But there is a fun version, write this down, people, <laughs> called the dope version. And it's about these four different birds. So you've got the dove, the owl, peacock, and eagles. And how much more fun is that? And 
you really do learn. Like I can literally get, like now spot a peacock a mile away and yeah. they like to be liked. And so they need that social, you know, kind of, um, yeah, sort of recognition and, and time and investment. But there are, you know, doves who need more nurturing and, and things like that. And so it definitely helps you understand people on a social level as well as, you know, kind of a, a corporate level. You know, what does this person need to be able to go away and, and you know, kick off a project? There's a color coding one, which is the one I most refer to. And it's like, you can be a blue, a red, a yellow, or a white. And a white is someone who is quite uh, non-confrontational. And then you've got on the flip side, a red personality, which is like, here's what I got to do. I'm going to go get it done. I'm independent. And then you've got a yellow who's like, I'm a party. I'm going to go crazy. They get distracted a lot of the time. Peacock. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. And then the blue is a very like tender and soft and you know, emotionally driven and yeah. 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 They're so good because it helps you. Yeah. It helps you also understand other people it's in your life. It's a study of human psychology. Mm. Um, okay. So I just had a quick question. I was curious to know, what's your thoughts on the terminology of girl boss, lady boss and all those things? Do you think it helps women? Um, I think that different people are going to take different things. So I think for some women that want to own that label and love it, then I think let them because it's empowering for them. And so I think that there could be easily an argument. And I've actually got something that someone sent me and it said, I'm not a girl boss, I'm just a boss. Um, And so there's an argument to say, no, let's just drop the girl boss. And it kind of goes back to that quote that you shared earlier around, should we be calling out the fact that I'm a female CEO or should should I just be known as CEO? Um, but for those that find it empowering, like if it's going to help them, then why eliminate that because there's an argument for the, you know, we shouldn't have to have that. So yeah. I'm all for whatever pushes someone forward. Um, and for some others, if they're like, no, I'm not a girl boss, I'm a boss, then let them own that. But I just think different horses for different courses. I, I just think – we were always looking for everything to fit perfectly into a puzzle. And I'm like, no, let there be many solutions and, and let the people find what is going to suit them. So I'm okay with both of those being out there. I know some people will be, you know, jumping up and down and being like, no, but you know, it's, if it helps someone out there, then why not let them have it? I think that's pretty good. I just, I asked that because I had someone say to me, why do we use this terminology? You know, you don't hear men talking around being like, I'm a boy boss. I'm a, I'm a boy man. Like it was just a, oh yeah, actually, why do we use that? And that kind of parlays perfectly into one of the reasons of why I started this was the realization that so many women live such variety of lives and what it is to be a modern woman is such a vast landscape. And especially within, even like with what you do with people's bodies, but what in your eyes would you say is a modern woman? Or for you, what is a modern woman that you try to be? Um, I think a modern woman is, it kind of does go back to my previous answer, which is just really um, owning exactly who they are, flaws and all, not trying to live up to, you know, society's stereotypes. So, you know, I don't know, what is a cool girl? And, you know, how do I fit in with a circle? I, I think the modern woman is just comfortable with herself, and realizes that the world is changing and being more accepting of all of the different, you know, kind of shades of, you know, options in every way. And I just, I truly love that. Like, I think we should all own our individual, you know, kind of style, personalities, flaws. Um, And I think that's something that I've always championed in my team. Like, no matter, you know, what background or orientation, I love that they can bring that to the office and be who they are. Like they don't need to mask who they are. 
Um, and so I think that, yeah, the modern woman, I guess, I hope it's about the modern person is just really open to, you know, don't hide who you are, especially that happens at work. Yeah. Be who you are. You know, if you're flamboyant, be flamboyant at work. See, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, to me, a modern woman is whatever she wants to be. And I feel like that is because we live in an era where we're encouraging people to actually share all of who they are. But in your workplace, actually, do you find that um, hmm, people have personas? Like there is someone outside of work and then there is who they are when they step into the office. And do you think we should have the two? Um, I think sometimes it happens. And we were just talking about this last week at our office because I don't know if you saw what I did these crazy nails recently. Yeah, I did. I saw them. I actually was like, I'm so nervous. <laughs> you could not see them. <laughs> um, and we were joking and I'm like, you know, there is a, um, a Julie from the block side to me yeah. because there totally is this side of me, which again, it's liberating to go, I don't care what anyone thinks. I will like, you know, get down to JLo and just, you know, the, the who people, People would probably not expect of me. I'm not doing it for the shock value. I genuinely have this side that like loves hip hop and whatever. I don't not bring that to the office because I'm trying to hide it. It's just that, you know, there are different like kind of times when you feel like, you know, kind of being that person. And so we were, you know, kind of joking about it. I'm like, I'm going to bring in my hoops and, you know, all of that sort of thing. But I think we partition it and and do have these different sides. Um, But I don't think it's necessarily about you know hiding it or suppressing it I think it's just that you know if I've got stuff to do I'm not going to you know kind of invest that time and being this fun it's like I'm kind of in a different mindset um so I think that when we have social events and that sort of thing you get to see that other side of people um which yeah I think it's more about just being pragmatic and you know what needs to get done today um, that sometimes those fun sides get left behind. But maybe for some people, they are suppressing it because of fear of judgment. Definitely. Yeah. I would definitely say that. I always think when it comes to something like your nails, I go through these stages where I'm like, I just want to wear active wear and that's not a plug because you have Style Runner. <laughs> and then on the flip side, I'm like, no, actually, I want to actually get dressed every day and I want to make sure I look presentable. Blazer. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm like, God, that takes so much fucking effort. Um, yeah. But that actually goes perfectly into speaking of Star Runner. How do you think star, uh, fashion has defined and assisted in women's issues in terms of if we look at um, uh, it's either at the Oscars or was it at the Golden Globe? Sorry. Um, how all the women wore black. Like, do you think that fashion can help women change and stand for something? I really am fascinated by what we wear and how it impacts, you know, our thoughts and just who we are aspiring to be and all that sort of thing. So I I really believe that um, there's more to it than just like putting on an outfit. I truly believe that there are sometimes conscious or subconscious um, forces which are shaping the choices and what we want to wear. And the more conscious of that we can become, the better. So if it is that we're striving to wear a blazer and that sort of thing, what is it? Is it an insecurity about, you know, I'm not being taken seriously enough at work. I need to sharpen up, you know, Um, because once you understand your, you know, the the forces that are driving you to do certain things, then you can be a lot more conscious about, well, hang on, is this how I want to address that? Or should I just speak up more at meetings? Um, Because it can be quite powerful to be dressed down in, in a pair of sneakers, you know, Um, so I do think that we can use fashion for so much, um, whether it be standing for like a political movement, um, or just shaping who we want to become and, um, being conscious about that. So the adage of dress for success. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but there's also this, um, 
there was this study which basically um, measured the level of accuracy when people were wearing lab coats versus not wearing lab coats. And they called it, um, the effect was that people were actually more accurate when they were wearing lab coats. What? And like they, as in doctors? Uh, no, just students, but they were basically um, tasked to do tests and they measured the level of accuracy and when they wore lab coats, they were more accurate and they, enclo- they called it enclosed cognition. So basically the clothes that you wear have an impact on your you know, psychology and there is a whole lot of like neuro-linguistic programming that talks about how your physiology can affect your psychology. So, you know, they'll have certain pressure points that you press and it will trigger certain thoughts or, you know. So I am a firm believer in all of that. Um, And so, yeah, enclosed cognition, basically what you decide to wear can impact the choices you decide to make if you extrapolate that that study. But I truly believe that. So, um, you know, we could talk about blazers or lab coats and how that might make you, um, you know, kind of perform at work. But I equally on the weekend, I think if you're wearing active wear or a pair of sneakers, I do believe that level of, you know, psychology and, 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 you know, influence that you'll probably make a healthier choice. Yeah. You know, you'll probably walk that little bit further or you'll get a green smoothie um, or you might be more disciplined and not get that, I don't know, milkshake or whatever <laughs> it be. So I believe there's something in that. I completely agree. I, there have been many times where I have not felt great and then I'm like, I'm going to have a shower, I'm going to get dressed and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, and I got a bit more pizzazz right now. Totally. Yeah. It's true. A great yeah. outfit can change your mood. I really yes. do believe in that. Um, speaking of fashion and I guess advocacy, would you ever not stock a product or a label that, let's say, had either done or said horrible things about women or was just not a great demonstration, I guess, in terms of the characteristics and value that you from even what the conversations we're having that you hold? Yeah, this is a really interesting one because my first reaction is like, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I think that we've got so much power and responsibility in the brands that we bring on. Purchasing um, power, for sure. Yeah. Then I had another this is something that has crossed my mind before and then I wondered if say a particular person at a company says something that is um you know truly reprehensible but do you punish an entire brand and team of people behind that brand that are passionate about it and their heart is in the right place when that brand might be able to you know kind of discipline that person separately so it's actually a kind of it's a bit of an ethical or moral quandary, I believe, um, because I want to. I want to say that is – and so it kind of depends on what that brand does. Does that brand allow that to happen? In which case, you then can take that action go, we're not stocking you because what you just said is absolutely reprehensible and completely at odds with our beliefs. Um, but if that one person – like I just want to be careful not to – um, you know, kind of penalize an entire brand when there are teams of people behind any brand um, to penalize all of those people and all of their hard work for what, you know, one kind of, yeah, stray. stray. But it is know. interesting and I was, it was curious to know, especially because of the space you sit in, that now that really matters. Like if you seem to support someone who has then connected over here and all of a sudden everyone and especially the social media backlash that can come along with those things. Yeah. And so I think that you'll find that those brands will normally deal with it. You know, so there's an example of like, you know, Lululemon's um, CEO and founder, um, you know, said some things which got enormous backlash and they made him step down. And so in that case, you could go, okay, well, that was just, you know, one person's thoughts. Um, But if they didn't, then basically the brand would be seen to be supporting that. 
And then for someone like yourself, do, will the will values then come into play when it comes to like values? Definitely, we talk about values a lot at Star Runner. So we love working with brands that you know, kind of sustainable, ethical, you know, female founded. We're huge supporters of. Um, so we're always looking for brands that align with us um, on our values, and yeah, more we can support those, better. It's interesting the choices that you now have to also deal with more than just the initial reason you started a business. Like I have another friend who is a, and because you also now have your own range of products. Yep. So therefore, do you now think, okay, do I now have to, like, especially let's say size diversity. And when it comes into the active wear world, that's now also a huge question. And we saw what happened with Nike when they had a larger mannequin and then every, there was, you know, social media was going bananas over it. So for yourself, do you kind of go, it, I have to also be a part of this change. I have to make sure we're designing for all body shapes and sizes. Like where do you think the line sits with whose responsibility is it to make sure we're being inclusive and supportive? For us, um, we actually don't do a good enough job of actually sharing this, but um, flight mode, for example, we and you got actually, so there are two in-house brands, both of them go up to three XL. Okay. So from day one. Um, and when a lot of people don't know this, but when I first started style runner, we went all the way up to, at that stage, the largest from the brands that we were purchasing from went up to an XL. Um, but we purchased as much as we could in that size. So we wanted to be inclusive from day one. And as soon as we started our own brands, we went up to 3XL. And in future, you know, I hope that will that will grow. But that comes from a place of truly wanting to be inclusive. And I think that's where it should come from. So for those brands that, you know, don't see themselves in that way, I guess we can't expect everyone to do it and it just wouldn't be, you know, viable. Like there are just certain brands that, you know, need to cater to different styles, different tastes, you know, just supply and demand. So I think those that actually truly care about it should be the ones that address it and um, they're going to do a better job of it. Um, but I do think that there is more to consider now. Yeah, there is definitely way more to consider now. There's diversity there's diversity of models that we use um there is sustainability issues there you know is um you know supply chain um there's yeah a huge amount that you need to be aware of um but yeah. i think that's great i mean it is a huge i don't know if burden's the right word but it's a huge responsibility like there's a lot to do and i say that because a small brand that's just starting out it's like you can't just produce something now. It's like you've got to produce it and have checked off this entire checklist. But um. <laughs> it's crazy though, don't you think? Like I have another friend who is quite – she has a, a fashion label which is very successful in Europe and we were having this conversation and I was like, you know, where does the line stop? Whose responsibility is it? Must you as a designer – and, you know, I then had the same uh, Jessica Vandelay, who's also she's been a model for Star Runner. I saw her on your website um, and we she was on the podcast and she was talking about how, well, if you want someone to wear it, you also then have to share and demonstrate through your marketing and advertising that you are catering for those brands. And so there's so many things that come into play now that the just yeah. the, the responsibility is so much further than like, what's my bottom line doing? Yeah. No, there's definitely a lot more to do these days than than ever. Have you noticed that change from when you first started to now? Yeah, yeah. In every area, like there's more, you know, on the marketing side, there's just there's just more things that you need to um, tick off. But like I said, I think that a lot of it is beneficial. Um, it does kind of increase the barriers to entry. Like, it, and I don't say that in a positive way. I, 
for someone established, it's a potentially, you know, a positive. It makes it harder for competitors to come to space because there is so much to do. But I mean that more as a burden. It's actually, unfortunately, more difficult for new starters because there is literally so much to get a handle of, not just in terms of the social responsibilities, but just the amount that is evolving um, through social media and marketing and digital there is so much to do. It's very, very difficult to start off now. Whereas when we started, you know, seven years ago, um, we kind of had the benefit of just learning along the way. And it's much easier to just learn new things, you know, incrementally over the years um, than take on everything someone has to do. To yeah, now you have to be today. a social justice warrior at completely, the same time. Completely. So you can't just... Yeah. Where was this produced? You know? Yeah. Are you ethical? Is this fast yeah. fashion? What are you doing? Sustainability is a huge one. But I think that's the positives. I think that... Um, whilst it is difficult as a barrier, um, I think that it is great. We're all being forced to consider things, especially the sustainability thing for me. I know this is a big call, but internally I have a goal to become a B Corp certified business in the future. And to do that, we will need to address all of our partners and how they're producing the, the brands and stock that we bring on. So I'm having conversations with our major brands and saying like, there'll be a day in the future when all we want to buy from you is your sustainable ranges. Oh, wow. And it's a big call. But I mean, if we have the ability to try and influence, you know, the major brands, because they're going to have to do it anyway. They're going to have to have sustainable range and they already do, but that's going to become a larger and larger part of their offering. Um, well, if we can kind of push that along faster and make that more visible and share that with our consumer, um, then how amazing would that be? Do you think uh, we should have a higher regard about our purchasing power? Um, in terms of the impact and sustainability? Just you yourself as a day-to-day woman, do you think that you should actually think about where you purchase, what you purchase? Like, for example, I know a small thing that you do at Star Runner is that no one can bring in coffee cups. Yeah, but yeah. so in terms of you as a woman and just even, you know, let's say in your friendship group, so yeah. removing yourself as CEO, do you yeah. think that we should all be a lot more considerate about where we're spending our money? Yeah, I definitely do. And we're trying to evolve as a business to kind of encourage that but also keep up with it because it's happening anyway. Um, but I definitely do. I, I'm a big believer in all of those, you know, kind of seminars going around about the, you know, kind of it's, it's unsustainable practices. Um, so we have to evolve and we have to evolve quickly. And I'm talking about, you know, in the next few years, not in the next 10 years, like we need to rapidly shift our models um, to, you know, buy things that we intend to wear many more times than just once for the grand. One-off purposes. Yeah. <laughs> what um, changes would you love to see, I guess, if you look ahead to the future? And like, like what you were saying, if you were to have children, what would you hope their world looks like? Um, I know it's kind of, you know, well spoken about now, but I definitely think there's an enormous amount of waste with plastic. Um, you know, we just, especially as a brand that purchases product, everything is shrink-wrapped and it's just like, I know you're doing that to protect things from getting dirty, but you know what? Dust can be washed off. Like, do we need every single piece that we receive to be dust free? I know we'd like it to be, but if it's at the expense of the planet and the amount of plastic it takes, um, is that something? Is that something we're willing to, you know, pay for? I I'd be happy to give up plastic and maybe one in 10 purchases has got a little speck on it. Okay, cool. Really? Yeah, I would. I don't think there's any. Um, we there's no price that is you know justifiable to allow us to keep producing plastic the way we do like we can it's unsustainable it's so refreshing to hear that considering 
your actual business model and everything that you have to consume and purchase. Yeah. So it's a big thing though, because I'm one consumer who can be rational and say, okay, if this means that sometimes I'm going to get something, it's just got a mark on it because literally that's what it does. It protects the product from getting a piece of dust on it or, you know, whatever it, it gets put must, down. Must in turn box. up perfectly. Exactly. But it, literally if we think about it, I mean, obviously if something can't come out in the wash and it's unfortunate, I'm talking about, you know, you might buy something for a dress for a party. Obviously you don't want to wash that first. You want to wash it like, you know, you want to wear it brand spanking new. Um, and that's a bit of a different scenario, but I'm talking about like a t-shirt or I don't know, a pair of shorts. I'm like, really do we, is the cost of getting this perfect, all of that plastic? No, I can wash that. It's fine. And, and I just think what's ideal is not sustainable. And so there is no other solution to it. We have to move towards sustainability. We're kind of precious, aren't we? We are very precious. And we've just got to realize that. Um, have you found that as I guess you've become more aware of all these other choices that you are making in terms of being socially responsible, that you've had a, and you don't have to label or name anyone, but you, you, you learn their practices and you actually go, oh, actually, I don't want to support that anymore. Like, do you find that that's a conscious choice that's becoming a part of your life? Um, for other brands, do you mean? Or? Just, just in your daily life. Like I know there are certain companies that I've started to become a lot more aware of, I guess, their backstory, what they're, what they're producing, how they're producing it. And I'm like, oh, I won't purchase from you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think so. I think everyone's becoming way more educated, um, about everything from ingredients to processes to, you know, kind of supply chain. Um, and yeah, we are looking for more and, and that's, I think a really good thing. It's a, it's pressure for us all to perform better and, and, you know, make things cleaner. Um, which I think is not a bad thing at all. Yeah. So moving into, I guess, a bit more of your life, in your experience, what does it mean for women to lead a powerful life today? Um, I think leading a powerful life is being um, unafraid to go after what you want. And that can be daunting. Everyone is telling you you can't. Um, and it's or really... are you sure? Yeah. It's really easy to just take the safer road. So I think... Um, being unafraid to go after what you want, um, having the resilience to get back up when you get knocked down because it will happen um, and just being true to yourself. Like I said, I talked a lot about that. It's just um, not feeling like you have to conform. I think that is one of the most powerful decisions you can make. Um, so one of the things that I've really tried to do, and I started to notice that I was doing it at the very beginning of my interviews was I was asking those stupid stereotypical questions that I think so many women get and yet men don't get. Like, for example, how do you have a balanced life? Um, but the underlying frustration is that, you know, for example, your husband, he has a very successful career, but I'm sure he never gets asked, Hey, how do you lead a balanced life? And so what do you think is our obsession with trying to understand balance in other people's lives, but especially for women? Mm, that's a good question. Why do we do it? I guess we do it. I guess we ask it because maybe we're all trying to find that balance. So I wonder if men are equally trying to find more balance, but afraid to ask that question. Well, do you find that when you speak to Kedge, he has those same conversations or is he just like, hey, I'm going to work and I'm loving my career? Uh, no, I think he does think about balance a lot. Um, but he, he's, he's not, um, he's actioning those things. Like he has, he very consciously thinks about balance and he actually incorporates it into his life. But for him to have gotten to that stage and, and have all these routines that he does, 
there must have been a point where he wasn't doing that yet, but he was thinking about that. How do I, how do I, you know, kind of have time? So he meditates, he does yoga stretches in the morning. Is that a bit of your influence? He de- No, he influences me. Really? Yes. He's like, when you wake up, you've got to have it. First thing you've got to do is have a big glass of water. And I didn't listen to him for years. I was like, no, first thing I'm doing is having a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then I had a nap and it was like, first um, habit you're going to, you know, kind of practice is drinking a large glass of water. And I was like, sheepishly looking looking over at him while I have my big glass of water. So he actually just naturally has, um, yeah, kind of brought on a whole bunch of really good habits. He's a very balanced person like that. But like I said, there has to be some point at which he didn't have those habits and he was thinking about them and incorporated them. So, but I don't think they have that conversation as much, but I think they must think about it. Have you found it to be a really uh, powerful thing in your life and career to have someone who is so supportive of you? Oh, so, so important. I don't know. I probably wouldn't have started. I don't know that for sure, but I will say this. He was definitely a huge supporter and a believer in me um, for starting this business, which gave me that confidence um, to start Style Runner. So yeah, without that, I'm not sure whether I would have. It's kind of funny when you look at the people around you and just having that little nudge all the way. Yeah, totally. It's a game changer. Uh, when you do feel overwhelmed or unfocused uh, or maybe you have just lost focus temporarily, what do you often find helps you the most to get back to being centered with so many things going on in your life? Um, getting outside for a little bit of air. So even I just go for a walk around the block, um, fresh air and just really trying to breathe and be present. So like let go of all of those things that are, you know, kind of on my mind, just breathe, be present, like focus on the color of the sky, focus on the wind through the trees and just, you know, let it all go. That's what works for me. Would you do anything differently if you could do it again? Yeah, I'd do it all differently. Really? <laughs> no, I just think that it's taken me years to learn a lot of lessons. Today I actually had um, a coffee with one of the girls that I met at um, that event that I spoke at, at the Paddington Inn and she said, would you mind if I had a coffee with you one day? I've, I'm running a similar business in a different area. I'd love to. And I, and I sat down with her. I'm like, here's all the lessons that it took me five years to learn. Um, just shortcut to that, you know. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, I just – wouldn't do things radically differently, but the lessons that I've learned, you know, sometimes you're just blind to them and then that you just have these light bulb moments and I'm just like, gosh, wish I saw that three years earlier. So um, they're the things that I would do differently. Like it's just. It's always kind of funny though, because your biggest lessons will always come from like the, they'll be your biggest learning curves too. Yeah. And then you think, could I have rushed that process? It's yeah, it's true. Um, but I guess being such a, so you know how we talked about that disc profile? Yeah. <laughs> I'm very um, goal orientated. Yeah, actually, I, I the think two I've... different sides. Actually, one is like goals and tasks, and the other side is people. And so that's like explains my social awkwardness because I'm like totally wired to the tasks. And you know, sometimes I'll be you know in a social setting and just miss that. I'm just like, got to build it this way, and I'm just like, hang on, team bonding. You well, know? I saw in a, a previous interview you've done when I was researching you how you said, you know, I just thought if I got into the office and I would just do do do, yeah. Star Runner would succeed, and then you realize there were so many things that you had to actually get out of that and start to do and pursue totally I just yeah you you have those yeah I you know yeah kind of wake up moments um yeah happens I forgot where we were at (laughs) all right so my final question I have so many more questions that we've missed but we've already chatted for so long before I ask it where can everyone find you 
across all your socials? Um, at just at Julie Stavanya. I guess where am I? Instagram, Twitter. Don't use it much. LinkedIn. Do you, do you add people on LinkedIn? I think I so. I think so. I think you add them yeah. or you follow them. Yeah. Um, you're standing in front of a room of 10,000 women and you're able to offer one piece of advice. What would you say? Um, I would say support other women. You know, so often we're thinking about that one project in our own mind and what we need to do and we're looking for that one piece of um, advice to get there, get there faster, um, that we lose sight of just creating that community where if you support another woman, someone else will support you and that is what you will need along this way. So be that first and hopefully along your journey, you will be surrounded by people who, even if it's just words of encouragement or that right contact when you need it or whatever it is Um, but you can't ask for that before you give it so be one of those women who's supporting other women I love the reminder in that because I hope one day my questions are more like isn't it wonderful that we have the girls club as much as the boys have got theirs yes to the girls club (laughs) thank you so much for joining me Julie pleasure Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Modern Women. If this content is delivering value to you, it would be so helpful and appreciated if you head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher and rate and review us as that helps us build this incredible community. And ultimately, that is what this is all about, building this community as big as we can to help as many women as possible and all of your ratings and reviews truly help with that. And before I go, a shout out to Chunky Love for the original music and to Mr. Darren Lake over at Podpace for helping me produce this show for all of you. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.